Well, I'm going to talk uh, about passion this morning. Everybody say passion. Worship with say us passion on with Sundays a little passion. in Kansas City. Or join us I'm going to talk about passion. And so a couple Bible verses I want to start out with. Matthew 22, verse 37. This is from the Passion Translation. Imagine that. It says this. This is in response to Jesus being asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. With all of the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. Someone that I think had passion, embodied passion is Jeremiah. Jeremiah 20 verse nine says, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. It is our dream for you that you would live a life of passion for Jesus. And when I say passion for Jesus, I'm not talking about a fleeting moment. I'm not talking about three days together in the middle of the country. I'm not talking about an action where you get really excited in a moment. I'm talking about sustained, continual pursuit and love and knowledge of and encounter with the person, Jesus Christ. Where the very motivation that gets you up in the morning, the very thing that drives you each day is passion for Jesus. Jared talked about dancers. I think what, what is it that motivates dancers to rehearse and to learn all the moves and to, to be in shape, but passion. What is it for, for athletes that motivates them to, to get up early and run the stairs yet again and, and, and exercise some more and prepare and go over the game plan? What could that be but passion? For you musicians in the room, what is it that causes you to play alone in your room till your fingers bleed? but passion. What does it look like if this room was full of young people that lived with passion for Jesus? If we have a passion for him, what does that cause our hearts to do? What does that cause our lives to do? And so we, it's our prayer for you. It's our belief. It's, it's our dream for you that you would have passion for Jesus. But passion isn't something that you just conjure up. Passion isn't something you just decide in a moment. I believe we have passion because passion comes from passion. And we need to know his great passion for us. When, when you know that he has passion for you, it causes a response within you that is that passion for him. You don't have to believe me yet, but we'll get there. Jesus, I thank you for what you are doing already this morning. I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for your speaking already. And we invite you, God, I pray that you would let us know what it is you want us to know. I just ask even now, I know we've done this a lot already, but just you and Jesus, just you and the Lord, just ask him to speak to you this morning. God, we come before you with hearts open saying yes to all that you have. We love you. Well, I want to share a little bit about me that you need to know uh, in, in my story. I, I, there's different traits. We all have different traits, things about us. Uh, but two things that, are, that if you talk to some of my friends, they'll probably tell you about me. Uh, is, uh, one of them is that I have this like chronic positivity. Uh, I get it from my mom. I can't help it. Just no matter what happens, no matter how bad things are, I will somehow find a way 
to find the positive outcome. And that may sound good to you, but if you imagine what it's like for my friends and my family, life can be so difficult. Let me give you a little example. I love watching football with my brother. That's actually not true because sometimes we disagree. Because, see, we will watch the same play and we will have very different opinions of what just took place. And David will text me about the Sooners and he will text me what's going on. And, and, and we will be, be down by, by seven points at halftime. And he will say, why are we horrible? Why are we going to lose? And I will say, David, you just don't understand what we are setting up for the greater comeback victory in the end. This is all going to work out and he's going to, he'll see someone get tackled and he'll text me. He's like, oh, don't you know they're hurt? They're out for the season. And I'm like, oh, they're just playing it up. This is for the better story. You don't know who the backup is. They're the real player. I just always find this way to be positive. And, and again, I don't want it to come across like I'm bragging because it's actually not the best thing. The, especially when you couple that with this other uh, this other attribute that I have of this blind confidence. Uh, I have confidence at times well beyond my actual means. I have confidence at times when I don't really, I should not really have confidence. I'll give you a, a story of where those two things came together. Amy and I were uh, on vacation uh, a long time ago. This is before Aiden was born. And uh, we were in Hawaii, which is like, Literally, have I think I think we're all going to pack onto that island anyway, or all of the islands, whatever. But uh, and uh, and so we're there in, in the hotel room, and um, it's all of a sudden we are awoken in the in the early morning hours by an alarm, and and just it's four five a.m. and all of a sudden just. And I mean, we just shoot out of bed. And then all the, 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 the voice comes over. Now, I don't know if you knew that they had intercoms in your hotel room. I did not know that someone could talk to me in my hotel room. It creeped me out. I was just, I was dead asleep. And then all of a sudden, alarm sounds and a voice starts talking to me. And I was like, this is weird. And what was happening was there was an earthquake that was causing the potential of a tsunami that was coming towards Hawaii. And the intercom comes on and it says, attention, attention, in a few hours, you're all going to die. Or something like that. That was the gist of it. And, um, and so Amy, in her, in her logical brain, I mean, she is like, how do we get off of this island? What do we need to do? She's calling the airline. She, she, she's talking to the airline. She says, get me on an airplane. Get me off this island. I will fly to Thailand. I don't care where you're taking me. Just get me off of this island. She's calling the rental car places. She's saying, get me a car. I'm going to drive to the highest point. I will not drown in a tsunami. I looked at the clock and saw it was 5 a.m. And the tsunami wasn't supposed to hit till 11 and went back to sleep. I was like, this thing's not coming for a long time. We got some time. We later got up. We went to the store. We got the essentials. We got some water. We got some Coke. We got some Pringles. And we lived, at th and we lived through that tsunami. But it was this mix of like, hey, this is all going to work out. We're going to be okay. Sometimes I have a confidence beyond my means. Sometimes that leads to injury. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I have a little video to show you. Can we show this video? Do we have the capabilities, huh? Oh. We were uh, at a retreat. 
with our students, and uh, Brandon was up training some people in the knowledge of Christ, and I was down playing basketball with Jordan Viacorda, who's here somewhere, uh, and some other guys, and uh, I had previously, um, in all of, of the kindness of my heart, made fun of Jordan for his attempt at dunking a basketball, and, uh, and so I, I said, give me the ball, and I handed him my phone, and I said, um, you can record this, and whatever happens, you can post it. Um, I fell on my face, I broke both my wrists, and, uh, and, and we had, Aiden was six months old, and so Amy was a new mom with a, with a broken-wristed husband, and, um, and so, but here's the thing, so, so, so I, I had the confidence to think that I could dunk that basketball. I mostly blame my basketball coach in high school for not existing, um, no, <laughs> uh, I, but, but, um, so I'm texting Amy with my one working thumb that night, and I, I'm, I'm in pain. I, I, guys, you don't know, like, I tried, I, I'm trying to tell everybody I'm okay, uh, and I'm just like walking with my hands, not able to move, and we put ice on them, and, I, and I'm just standing, are we playing it again, or, okay, and we're just standing there, or sitting there, and, and I go, like, I, I went to the restroom, and I, I, uh, I couldn't open the doorknob to get out, and so I had to get, it was, a, it was like a handle that moved like this. So I like hugged some toilet paper, put it on the handle, used my head, uh, and then kicked the door to get out. I, I go to, to unplug my phone, and, and if you've ever unplugged a, a phone charger, they can be quite difficult, and, uh, especially with broken wrists. And I pulled, and I just, I could not pull it out of the socket but I was telling everybody, I'm fine. I text Amy and I just said, hey, you're gonna see something on the internet. And I just want you to know, I'm hurt, not injured. I'm in pain, but everything's gonna be fine. I just got a little hurt. Um, I did have Brandon kindly drove me home that night and uh, I got home and I, I, I took some, some, some ibuprofen or something and I went to bed and uh, I got up in the morning. I said, hey babe, um, I think my wrists are not okay maybe I should go to the doctor. And she was like, well, do you need me to drive you? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. It's going to be okay. 20 minutes of trying to put my pants on. And I said, you know, maybe you should drive me. And uh, two broken wrists later, two surgeries, and much, much work to have hands. I now have full function. That's not true, but no, I, I have hands. Guys, I have hands. Uh, but I had this mix of this hey, I can do this, and everything's going to be all right. And I just tell you those two stories to, to kind of give you a little window into me in, in, in terms of just, this has like been most of my life. But there was a, a moment where I, I had kind of this, this crisis of, of honestly, of, of identity. Because I found myself in a moment and, and some different things had taken place and, and I was going through some stuff, our family was going through some stuff and, and I found for the first time in my life where I had fear and I had, uh, I was, I had a insecurity and, 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 I, and I, I was wrestling with, with it, what is God, how does God see me and, and, and even like moments of like, am I depressed? Like God, what is happening? And, and what I want to share with you this morning is I want to share with you this, this idea that is not like, I don't stand up here as someone who's just saying, man, I got it all together. I know every answer. But I stand up here before you today as someone that has had the Lord 
like David in Psalm 40, pick me up out of the miry pit and set my feet on a rock. In a moment, one word from Jesus can change everything. And what happens when Jesus invades our brokenness is he comes and he makes us whole. And at your weakest point, at your most broken point, at the point where you maybe are here today saying, I don't know who I am. Jared's talking about God speaking my name. I don't know what that even means. I don't know, does God like me? I don't know any of that. Jesus is setting you up this week because he wants to speak to you and tell you how he sees you and tell you what he believes about you and tell you how he made you. And that will spark, I believe, if we will listen to him and believe, will spark a passion in your relationship with Jesus that will set you on a trajectory to have passion for your whole life. Recently, we started reading a book together as, as a leadership team here, and I read a story in it about, uh, about this woman who was a swimmer, Diana Nigren, uh, Diana Nyad. And here's the story. This, this woman, the, the, she started, the story starts with her as a nine-year-old girl standing on the shore of Florida. And she is talking to her mom and looking across out the ocean, she, she says, mom, where is Cuba from here? And her mom is talking to her and she says, well, it's actually not even that far. You know, it's about 100 miles from here. And she said, it's, it's, you, you could almost see it. Actually, if you really wanted to, you could almost swim there. And as a child, that started to do something in her that she started to get this idea of what would it look like if I was to swim between Cuba and Florida. And so it became a, a passion of hers. It became a, a drive that she had. And so in her 20s, she made her first attempt to swim those 100 miles. And this water is, it's 100 miles. Uh, any swimmers in the room? Is anybody a swimmer in the room? I respect swimmers. Uh, I had a friend, I, I, I wanted to get into swimming recently, and I had a friend who was a swimmer. And I said, hey, can you come coach me so I can start swimming? I think it'd be fun. And, uh, and so uh, swimming's hard. I don't know if you've ever swam but swimming's hard. And so he came and, and uh, he was showing me what to do, how to swim laps. And, and so every time we'd get to the end, he'd like, okay, let's go again and, and let's go again. And, uh, and I just kept saying yes. And I kept swimming and swimming and swimming. And, uh, and then finally he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm, I'm dying. And he says, oh, I thought you were okay. You just kept going. And so I was like, no, we're good. I'm good. If you're good, we're good. And so he left and I puked. And uh, anyway, uh, so, so I couldn't, I'm, swimming is not easy. And, and, and this woman wanted to swim 100 miles. She tried four times in her life uh, and never made it. This is 100 miles of, of ocean that is, that is full of, of sharks and some deadly jellyfish and crazy currents. And it takes a team and, and all this stuff. And, and she didn't make it. And then in her 60s, she thought, well, if ever there's a time, I better do it now. And so she begins to train and she begins to, to get ready and she gets her team together. And, and she tells the story. And, and she tells the story of at age 64, 
swimming from, from Cuba to Florida and, and what it's like as you swim and, and, and it's pitch black and the, uh, through the night and you can't see your hand in front of your face and, and you're drinking salt water and your throat is swelling up and, and your, your, your body is getting tired and you're covered in armor to protect you from deadly, from deadly jellyfish and you're looking out for sharks and they, in the nighttime they can't have the lights on the boat because it would attract the jellyfish or attract the sharks or attract the things that those things want to eat. And so, so it's pitch black, and, 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 and so they, can't even, they can only hear her slapping the water as she swims. That's how the, that's how the people are keeping her alive are, are, are following her. And, and there's this moment where she, she pops up, and she's, she's, she can see on the horizon the, the light coming up. And it's, it's kind of this, okay, it's almost daybreak. It's almost going to happen. Uh, it'll be warmer. I can, it, it, it's easier to swim in the daytime. And her, and her coach there is talking to her, and she says, hey, that's not actually the sunrise. Those are the city lights. You're almost there. And after 50 years of a dream, she can now see the lights. And she puts her head down and she begins to swim. It takes her 15 more hours to swim to the shore. But at age 64, she, she swims and she walks up on the Florida shore, having accomplished a lifelong dream. When they asked her what she, how she did it, what it was, she, she said, you know, there's important things that you need to know. First, don't give up. She said, second, you're never too old. And third, it always takes a team. And she had, she had done this life mission. She had accomplished it. And when I look at that, I just see all the, all the things she overcame, this extended thing that, that drove her her whole life. And I see passion. I see someone that was driven by something with passion. And I even just wonder, what does it take to get that? There's a story that when she was five, her dad started off, and I know there's probably a lot of motivations for her in her life, but her dad started by saying, hey, you're five years old. I want to tell you the most important thing. You're not old enough to understand. He said, your name, your last name is Nyad. He said, it can be found actually in the dictionary. It's not just a name, but, but you, can, you can look it up, and it's, it's found. And if you go there and you read it, what you will find is that your name means Swimmer those who live in the water. He said, this is your identity. This is who you were made to be. A father speaking an identity over a five-year-old that drove her to a passion her whole life. That reminds me of Jeremiah, the one who had the word of God shut up like a fire in his bones. He had a similar moment. So we're gonna read this, Jeremiah 1, if you wanna read this. Jeremiah verse one, or sorry, chapter one, verse four. Said the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. 
I just want to look at these moments of who, uh, of the story of Jeremiah. And so in the life of Jeremiah, here's who he is. Jeremiah is a prophet of Israel. And so we have the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had 30 years of being a prophet, 30 years of preaching without anybody believing him. 30 years of preaching without any converts. 30 years, that's, I don't know if you know, but that's hard for a preacher, if the preacher's in the room, like 30 years and no one believing what you're saying is pretty hard. On top of that, Jeremiah was kidnapped. Jeremiah had been beaten. Jeremiah had been mocked. And yet, in Jeremiah 20, he says, when they ask me to stop talking, I cannot, for the word of God is like a fire shut up in my bones. And he looks out and he says, hey, look, everything about my story, all the rejection of man, everything about who I am, when I look at my circumstance, when I look at being kidnapped, when I look at being persecuted, all of that would say, hey, prophet, shut your face. Just be quiet for a little bit. Stop saying those things that are causing people to not like you. And yet Jeremiah was driven with passion, saying, you don't understand even if I wanted to stop, the word of God is in me like a fire shut up in my bones. I pray for some Jeremiah's in this room. I believe this is a room full of Jeremiah's. And I think it started in chapter one. So we look at this, Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Some of you need to know today that God knows you. That God sees you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139, even as, as, as Josh talked about it earlier. We have in Psalm 139. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Today, I think the Lord wants all of you to hear him say, hey, I know you. I formed you. I made you. All those things about yourself that maybe you don't know or you don't love or all those things about, you know, that, that you're not tall enough or you're too tall or you're not, you know, you don't like how you, how, you, how you smell. I don't know what it could be. All those things. Hey, I made that. And, and not only did I make you, but I made you fearfully and wonderfully. Here's what Jesus means. As we read that, what we can say is the Lord is saying, hey, when I made you, I took my time. I was purposeful. You are no accident. You were not a mistake. I had a funny conversation with my mom. So my brother and sisters are triplets. And uh, so they were born. And then about six years later, I came into the picture. And I just said one day, I was like, mom, like, who does that? Like, who has three at one time? And then all of a sudden, like, Hey, let's do this again. And I was like, I just, I figured it out, mom. Like I was unplanned. And she said, I never wanted to have this conversation. I said, I knew it. <laughs> but guess what? You are planned. I was planned. Every one of you were formed together wonderfully, masterfully, fearfully. God took his time. He said, I don't, I'm not going to mess up on this one. I see this one. I know this one. I love this one. And I'm going to make her purposefully. I'm going to make her with, with intention. I'm going to make him unique, unlike anyone else. You are a son. If you, you are a daughter. You are created by God. And as we say yes to Jesus, as we are, we are adopted into the family, 1 John 3, 1, that he lavishes his love on us. 
That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You are in the family. You are loved. You are brought in. You are seen. You are made. There is no one that can delight God's heart the way that you can delight God's heart. You're in the family. But you're unique too. It's not just that you're in the family, but he said, I made you to be you. So I think of it like this. I brought up Aiden up here earlier, right? Aiden is a Perkins. He's in the family. He is, he is my son. He has, I mean, all that I have is his. There's one, he was two years old and he came and he grabbed my wallet and he pulled out what cash I had in there and he looked at it, his two-year-old brain, he said, mine? And I thought, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, you're my son. You are in the family. You have an inheritance in him. You have a future in him. He is there to protect you. He is going to provide for you. He is your father that loves you and defends you. And you were made unique, unlike anyone else. Because I don't just call Aiden, you know, number, you know, Perkins number one. But we named him Aiden Perkins. And every night when he goes to bed, we sing his name over him. Aiden Zane, fiery one, gift of God. We named him to be a fiery one. And those of you that go to Radiant Church, you know that is actually a little bit true. I mean, dude's got some fire. Sometimes we need to learn to harness that fire a little bit. But we're speaking identity over him. You have a God who sees you and knows you and loves you and has named you and he calls you and he, he wants you to know today, I made you. There is no one that delights me like you. And then he says, before I formed you, I knew you. And I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah had a calling. He had a name. And that name wasn't just, just the, hey, you're a son, but that name was, hey, you, Jeremiah, are a prophet to the nations. Jer Jared was talking about this earlier. God is speaking things to you today. God is speaking things to you this week that is going to change the world if we would only believe him. If we would only believe what he says about us, who he made you to be, he has put in you giftings and callings and purpose. He says, you are a prophet to the nations. What if Jeremiah was like, no, God, that ain't me. Guess what? He did. And you know what, you know what God's response was? Stop saying that it is not you. We need to stop telling God that he didn't make us the way he made us. Listen, I want to I hit on something. This is my step on some toes. You can, you can complain to David later. Um, but, but here's the thing. We've heard, you grew up, if you grew up here in, in American culture, you've heard from your earliest days that you can be whatever you want to be. Guys, I, I hate to break it to you. That ain't true. Like you cannot be whatever you want to be. You know, you can try to be whatever you want to be, but you were made to be unique. You were made with a purpose. You were made to do something you weren't just made to say, hey, let's just take this whole thing. Well, I can do any of it. No, no, no. He's saying, hey, hey, I made a prophet to the nations. And imagine how dumb the hammer looks if the hammer is like, I can be whatever tool I want to be. Today I want to be a screwdriver. Well, you can maybe try, but you work best as a hammer. You know, today I'm going to be a guitar. Well, you can maybe try, hammer, but you work best hitting some nails. If we would just ask our creator, God, what do you say I can be? God, what is it that you have put in me? He'll say, hey, thanks for asking. 
I actually made you fearfully and wonderfully and I got a plan for you. Let's talk. I believe that today the Lord wants you to know, hey, I, I, I know you. You are no stranger to me. You are not far from me. You are not distant from my thoughts. I have more thoughts about you than there is sand on the shore. I know you. We can have closeness. We can have intimacy. And you don't have to worry about shame. I see it all. And I still love you. And I have named you. And I want to speak that name over you. And I want to tell you who you are. And that name will drive you in passion for what I've put inside of you. And then he says, he goes on to say, as we keep reading, and I will rescue you. I will rescue you. See, he, he knows you. He's named you. And he will rescue you. Because the truth is, is that we cannot do this on our own. And, and most all of us, at some point, truth, all of us, we will come to a point where we have this crisis of faith, crisis in life, where we recognize our own weakness, where we recognize our own brokenness. And we say, Jesus, I need you. You and you alone. You are, God, can you do anything with this? But he rescued you because he delighted in you. He rescues you because he delighted in you. So God comes to Jeremiah and he says, hey, Jeremiah, I got a big thing for you to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to take your whole life. It's going to be this thing. So, so before we even get started, here's what you need to know. I know you. I've named you. And do not be afraid. So do not be afraid. I am with you and I will rescue you, Jeremiah. This is not in your own strength. You don't have to bow up like you're going to do it. I've got you. Come to me. We look and we see Jeremiah's response. Very first thing Jeremiah says is, God, I can't do it. I can't speak and I'm too young. This is what happens every single time. God speaks to us. It's probably already happened to you this morning. God has probably said something to you today. And immediately there is a real enemy who wants to kill and steal and destroy. And we have a God. We have Jesus who is the truth. But if Jesus is the truth, what can the enemy be but the liar? And he will come and he will say whatever he can say. He will lie in any way that he can to say you're not good enough. You aren't smart enough. You aren't talented enough. You come from the wrong family. He said whatever it is that he can say to get you stuck in fear. Jeremiah, oh, I can't do it. I can't speak. What is that going to look like? He will get you stuck with the shame. I've done too much. He will get you stuck with this guilt. And I love the Lord's response. Where he just says, hey, shut up. Stop saying that. I'll rescue you. I am with you. If he is with us, if he is for us, who can be against us? When we talk about passion, when we talk about the idea of passion, we're talking about Jesus. Because the word passion actually comes from the Latin word to endure. In Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He is our rescuer. He is our strength. He is the one that endured the cross. He is the one that, 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 that came, that stepped out of heaven, that stepped out and took on the very form of a servant. Why? For the joy that was set before him. And you are that joy. I don't know if this is the case. I'll ask Jesus about it. But I believe that in that moment where we have Jesus in the garden, 
And he is, he is sweating blood and he is looking at this cross and he is looking at what he's about to do and he is headed into this moment of, of pain and suffering and, and everything in him is saying, ah, this ain't what I want to do right now. Yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In that moment, there was a little bit where Jesus says, but I see Andrew, Andrew is my joy, I can do this. I see John, John is my joy, I can do this. I see Amy, I see Josiah, I see them. Today he's calling you, he's looking at you, and he said, you are my joy. Jesus talking to his disciples, no greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend, he is foreshadowing what he is about to do. He's saying, you guys don't know this, but I am about to act out the very thing that I'm telling you. No one can love you as much as I love you. You are his joy. You are his passion. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This morning, I pray that you would hear the Lord speaking to you and him saying, I see you. I know you, I've named you, and I endured the cross out of my passion for you in order that I could rescue you. We are in desperate need of a rescuer because we keep trying to rescue ourselves. We keep trying to do everything we can in our own strength to bolster up and say, I, I wanna do this myself. And this morning he said, hey, don't be afraid. I'm with you and I rescue you because I delight in you. I think the key to this, I was having a coffee with my friend Christopher recently. And we were talking about this idea of relationship with Jesus and, and, and what it looks like and having you know, this passion for God. And I just, I, I said this thing, I hadn't said it to anybody before. It wasn't like planned, but I said, man, I feel such relationship with Jesus right now. And you know why? I just started believing that he talked to me. Like I just, I actually started believing what I've said I've believed my whole life. That, that, that I've been given the scriptures and that he wants to speak through them. And that throughout my day he wants to talk to me. And, and what if we actually just start to believe what, what it is that he says about us? What is it that we start to believe when he says, hey you... Mighty warrior, hey you, prophet to the nations, hey you, burning and shining lamp, hey you. What if we start to believe those things? And what is relationship but conversation? And it's so easy for us to believe the lies of the enemy that tell us we're not good enough, that tell us we're broken, that tell us that we, that we need to have shame, that tell us that we're, that we're guilty, that the, the, the lies that come and say you'll never succeed, you'll never be good. It's so easy to believe those things. And yet we don't even believe that Jesus really speaks throughout our day. But he, I'm telling you, he has talked to you a thousand times already this morning. He is constantly speaking. He is whispering. He's saying, I want to dialogue with you. I will, let's get in the scripture. Get this in you. I will speak through it. And then I want to reveal to you myself throughout the day. What is relationship? It is dialogue, it's conversation. And when we have those conversations, when we're talking with people, when we're in, in, engaging in conversation with them, then 
passion for that person, love for that person, relationship with that person is the natural overflow. This is a dumb story. I shouldn't use this as my closing story. Last week, last week, I'm like trying to put this into practice. So uh, I, I just eaten dinner and I had left the restaurant and I drove home and, uh, and I got home and, and, and I'm getting out of my Jeep and, and I, I don't have my wallet. And I'm like, oh no. And so I called the restaurant and I'm like, hey, I left my wallet there. Can you make sure no one steals all of my life? And, uh, and so they say, it's not here. And I'm like, no, 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 don't be dumb, it's there. And, uh, and so, um, so I drive back and, and I walk in and, and the guy looks at me and I'm like, yeah, I, it's me. I didn't believe you, so I'm looking here in, in person because I don't trust you. And, uh, and it wasn't there. And so I was like, well, it must have fallen in the parking lot. And so I walk out into the parking lot and, uh, and it wasn't there. And so I go home and, 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 and we have like... I, I'm just kind of tracking online, making sure no one's, you know, there's no fraudulent purchases with my credit cards. I don't really want to go through the whole hassle of like canceling everything, getting a new driver's license and all those things. And so a couple days later, I'm like, I'm driving my car and I just, I'm starting my day and I'm just driving. I'm like, okay, Lord, like I want to talk with you all day. I want to dialogue with you today. Like I just want to have a conversation with you. All right. And then I was just so random. I was like, oh Jesus, can you bring my wallet back to me today? And uh, so I get to where I'm going and I get out of my car and I'm, I'm not even thinking about that. And, and I just think, oh, I wonder if I put it in my console. And so I just had this thought, huh. And so I go back and I open up my console and it's not there. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, guess that wasn't you, Lord. And then I was like, well, what, what? this is like such a tight space right here. And I'm like, and all of a sudden, I see this tiny little corner of leather. And I'm like, it was next to me all week long. I am so dumb. And the Lord was like, why didn't you ask me earlier? He didn't say that. He was kind. That's such a dumb example. I don't know. Was that God? Was that me? What was happening there? So many things. But you know what? I've just had too many coincidences in life to not believe that God speaks. This morning, I'm praying for you. I'm preparing for you. And I'm like, God, I believe that you want to speak identity. I believe that you want to speak names. God, I believe that you want to tell them that you have more thoughts about them than there is sand on the shore. Jared Anderson gets up here. We didn't talk about it. Jared Anderson is singing. He's saying, God has a name for you. God wants to name you. You are welcome at the table. Josh Hubbard is up here. He's praying for you. God is thinking about you even now. Do you know that Christians have lots of coincidences when they're talking to their king? He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. And of course, I, don't, don't, don't hear me wrong. Don't be weird. Don't say everything is Jesus. I encourage you to like, I mean, you want to, you first off, read your Bible. That's where he talks the most. <laughs> okay, that's where we get it. We get it from the Bible. Then talk to your pastors. Like, don't just go up and just be like, hey, God told us all that we should go lay down in the freeway. No, he did not. That does not align with the scripture. That does not align with wisdom. He is wisdom. Shut your face. Let's keep going. <laughs> If you just, just, I just dare you to start dialoguing with him. Start talking to him. Start asking him questions. God, I had a hard day. What did you think about today? God, I failed at this today. What did you think? Where were you in that moment? What were you saying about me? Jeremiah is getting kidnapped. And in that moment, he's like, oh, this is it. Like, I'm done. I'm sick of getting kidnapped. God whispers, hey, you're my prophet to the nations. 
I am with you. I will rescue you. Jeremiah, okay. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. Today, let Jesus' passion for you cause you to have passion for him and cause you to run the race with endurance even as he endured the cross for the joy that is your heart. His passion for you is what caused the greatest event in mankind. He loves you. He's for you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to make a way for you to, to be right and have a relationship with the Father. We say that all the time. What is relationship? He wants to make a way for you to dialogue, for you to talk, for you to speak with, to, to know and be known. And you're like, but I have fear. He is with you. But I have shame. He knows you. But I've done so many things. He paid the price. Jesus, would you speak to us today? That we would know who we are in you. That we would hear from you. God, I pray that in this room you would raise up Jeremiah's prophets to the nations. God, I pray that you would raise up John the Baptist's burning and shining lamps. God, I pray that you would raise up Gideon's mighty warriors in this room. God, I pray that as you name people, as you made us fearfully and wonderfully, may we know who we are in you. May we know who you are. I pray that this morning, God, that this room would be full of people that hear you say, I know you. I made you. I see you. I know you. I've named you. Those dreams you have in your heart, those are from me. Those things that you've thought and uh, those things that you've, we've talked about, I want to do that. I have named you. And I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You have no reason to fear. I will rescue you. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.